Hey everyone, welcome to Northridge Church. So glad you joined us online here today. So believe it or not, today, or this week, depending on when you're listening, when you're watching, is the third week of Advent already. That means we only have one more Sunday after this one before Christmas. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. And so we are in the Advent season. And what I want to let you know, and just kind of remind everybody, because we're kind of thinking toward this and getting excited about this, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, next Sunday, Sunday, December 20th, in the evening at 4.30 and at 6 o'clock, 4.30 and 6 o'clock in the evening, in the gymnasium at the Village Center, we're going to have our special Christmas candlelight services. Now, this is going to be basically the same as what we've always done. We're gonna have candles. Uh, we're gonna do that at the end of our service like we normally have. We're gonna have Christmas music. There will be a short message. We're gonna have kids activity packets because we have no kids stuff obviously this year. But we're gonna do everything in the gymnasium, socially distanced, with masks on, so we're gonna do it all safely. But we're gonna have all the same or very similar elements that we've had all the years past. So we're really excited about that. So I hope you can join us 4.30 or six o'clock this coming Sunday, December 20th, uh, in the evening, we're going to have a, just a blast celebrating the arrival of Jesus uh, a little over 2,000 years ago. So wanted to just say again, thank you for joining us here at Northridge. I know that it, it takes maybe a lot sometimes to give up, you know, uh, 30 minutes or 25 or 35, 40 minutes of your day, of your time to sit and to watch or to listen. And maybe you're running right now, maybe you're driving, no matter what you're doing, Thank you for taking the time to join us at Northridge. And for those of you who are just joining us, maybe for the first time, you're just checking us out, maybe somebody shared this with you, thanks for taking a risk on this. We want you to know that our church, that our community of faith is a safe place for you, no matter where you are in your journey with God. Whether you've been walking with God for a long time, or maybe you're brand new in your faith, or you're kind of considering putting your faith in Jesus, or maybe you're hearing you know you don't have faith in God yet. You don't believe in God yet. No matter where you are on that spectrum, this is a safe place for you. We're just glad that you're here and we look forward to answering the questions the best that we can for you. So, as I said, this week and next week, we're focusing on the Christmas story because we're in the Advent season. And so, this week and next week, what, what really when you think about Christmas and we talk about Christmas... We focus a lot about Jesus himself and, the, and what he did in the Christmas story. But today and next week at the candlelight services, here's what I want to do. I want to focus a little bit more on the people in the Christmas story. The people that surrounded Jesus in the narrative of the Christmas story. And so today what I'm going to do is I want to talk about what I would probably say is the backstory of Christmas. It's kind of like the preview the, the, the precursor to the actual Christmas story. It's definitely part of the Christmas story, but it's really just, it's a part of the story that, to be honest, a lot of us probably haven't heard much about. We've heard about the shepherds and the sheep and the wise men and bringing their gifts, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and, and, and all those things, and, and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in, in the manger. We, we know about all those parts. A lot of us do. But this story today kind of like the backstory. It, it's, it's the snippet that we don't usually hear a lot about. A lot of people wouldn't preach on this. And so that's what we're going to do. And this backstory is all about Joseph, Jesus's earthly father. The part of this story that we're going to focus on is when he discovers, when he finds out, when God tells him 
lets him know, hey, Joseph, you're going to be a part of the biggest story in all of history, the Savior of the world. So here's how we're going to do it. I want to walk through the story three pieces at a time. We're going to do the first third, the middle third, and then the last third. And for each third of the story that we unpack as we go through it, as we walk through this, I'm going to give you one word. Each of these words actually starts with the letter S, so that'll just make it easier to remember, right? Three words today that start with the letter S that help remind us what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about Jesus, yes. But these three words is everything that Jesus is about. It's all that he is about and that Christmas is about. And so as we go through these, just remember these three words as we walk through the story. So before we, well, let's just jump in. So this story is found in Matthew chapter 1. If you'd like to follow along on, on your app or uh, in your own Bible as we do this, Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to start with verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. That means he was godly. He wanted to follow God's laws. That's what righteous means. And did not want to disgrace her, disgrace Mary, publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, for those of you who have been to Northridge for any length of time, you probably already know that I have covered this part of the Christmas story before. And you also know that I've shared what I'm about to share here, but it's very, very important that we understand the conundrum, the decision that Joseph had to make in this particular situation. So in this case, based on everything that we know from what this story tells us, what Scripture tells us, we know that Joseph had basically two options. Two options. Option number one. Option number one was that Joseph would publicly declare that he was innocent, that the baby that Mary was carrying at this point was not his, that the pregnancy was not his fault. And let's be honest, Joseph would be telling the truth. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. He, was no, he had no fault in this. No one is to blame. He was not to blame with this. And so Joseph's number one option is he publicly declares this, exonerates himself, in other words, says, I am innocent of this. I had no wrongdoing. And in the same stroke, kind of throws Mary to the wolves because this is what happened. Now, in our day and age, this would just kind of be like, oh, that's too bad. We're so, so sorry to hear that this happened, that you had to break off the engagement, all that kind of stuff. And it would be, you know, devastating but what would happen with Mary in this case? Because it looks like she was unfaithful to the relationship. What is going to happen if Joseph chooses option number one? Is Mary would be dragged through a very humiliating, awful trial. And to be very public. And more than likely, and this is going to be shocking to most of us in our day and age, but in that day and age... What probably would have happened, it would have culminated in Mary being executed. I know that that sounds brutal. I know that that sounds shocking. But in this day and age, that's just what the letter of the law was. That's probably what would have happened. Mary would have gone through the trial. They would have found her guilty. And then she would have been executed for it. So this is one option that Joseph has. 
But as we read, Joseph is seriously considering and then makes the decision to choose option number two. Option number two is to pay a fine and then break off the engagement quietly. Now, why is option two a problem for Joseph? It helps Mary, but why is it a problem for Joseph? Well, it's a problem for Joseph because Joseph is basically admitting he's guilty, right? He's not saying I'm innocent. He's, He's admitting some guilt. He's breaking the engagement quietly. He's not making it public. He's not exonerating himself. And really what is happening is Joseph and Mary, both as a result of this, he's kind of thrown his lot in with Mary with this, this option number two. And, And he's really destroying his reputation, his career, his standing in his family, his standing in the community. His reputation is toast if he chooses option two. But this is the one that Joseph decides to do. And so this brings us to the first word that I want to highlight of the three S words that we're going to give you. The first word that I want us to know Christmas is all about, Jesus is all about, that we need to be all about, not just at Christmas, but all the time, is the word sacrifice. Sacrifice. Joseph, by considering option two, is putting Mary ahead of himself. He's putting God ahead of everything. He's putting it ahead of his career. He's putting it ahead of his reputation, of his standing with his family and his community, as I said just a moment ago. Joseph is making a huge sacrifice by choosing option two. He is giving up and he's he's giving himself to what God, he thinks God would want and what he'd be pleased with. Now, let me try to illustrate this a little bit more. So a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I and our three kids, and actually my mother was with us in the van. We were driving through the state of Indiana on the way to my grandfather's funeral. And it was really late at night. It was, I can't remember, 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock at night. It was really dark, and it was raining like crazy, which, to be honest, often happens in Indiana. And we were on a four-lane highway, so we're going very fast, 65, 70 you know, miles an hour, something like that. And we were going along, and the problem was that because of the conditions... There was no way that I could see the massive deer that was about to run out in front of us. And it did. And it came out right in front of our van. I mean, right in the middle of the lane. There's nothing we could do. And we literally, the same moment I saw the deer, our van slammed into the deer. Now, I've been in vehicles before where, you know, somebody else was driving and, and we hit a deer. And, you know, it was, it was kind of scary. It was kind of traumatic. And, but it wasn't a big deal. This was totally different. It felt like we hit a brick wall. We slammed in that deer. The, the van shut off and was completely the, the hood and the airbags blew. There was smoke and, and everything all over the place inside the van. The kids were screaming like crazy. At least I know one of them was because I can still hear it even to this day. It was just pure crazy and chaos. Well, I won't go into this part of the story, but I can tell you that God providentially saved our family. Because we were, the van was basically just stuck in the middle of the lane on a very busy highway with traffic coming at us at 70 miles an hour. But God spared us. And I was able to push the van off the road into the ditch, thankfully. And now that we got into the ditch, now we knew we could get out of the van. Because the van was smoking and smoke was pouring out of it. It was just... We didn't know if it was, you know, safe to stay in the vehicle. And so we got everybody out. We got the kids out. My mom got out. Laura got out. I got out. And we got everybody out and standing in the grass and the, the side of the road, in the dark, in the rain. 
And thankfully, you know, first thing we did, we called the police so that we could report it. But then we saw that a couple pulled up in the shoulder. They had seen what had happened. And they had gone up to the next turnaround because it was a divided highway, came all the way back, come back around, and to basically see if we were okay. And they said, why don't you guys come in, get, at least let the kids get into our vehicle and, you know, get warm and get out of the rain. And so the, Laura and the kids both went in there uh, with this couple that had pulled over. We called the police. The police arrived. We, you know, they took their, our statement and all that kind of stuff. And then this couple did something pretty awesome. They offered to drive us to where we were headed wherever that was and they didn't know where that was and we were still an hour and a half maybe two hours away from our destination here in central indiana and so so we said we told them well my dad and my brother they're on their way up to come pick us up but you know if we can sit in your vehicle and they said well why don't we just start driving you there and then we can meet halfway it'll save you some time well what was amazing is this couple invited five complete strangers three adults right three adults and, and three kids, so six, six of us, I guess, is what it is. My, my math is a little crazy. And to cram into the vehicle with them, this little SUV, we threw all of our luggage in the back. We're sopping wet, scared like crazy, tired, unknown, and they invited us into their vehicle. They drove us more than an hour out of their own direction, out of the way that they were going, to meet us up with my dad and my brother who came to pick us up. And we met at a gas station We will never forget this family's generosity of time, the gas money. We offered, of course, to pay, and they said, no, we want nothing to do with that. We talked with them, talked about prayer, talked about God. It was an amazing thing. All that to say this, they sacrificed their comfort. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their energy. They sacrificed their gas money. They really in many ways, sacrificed their safety because they don't know us from anybody. They sacrificed a whole lot to help out somebody that they didn't even know. We'll never forget their generosity. And to be honest, I don't know what we would have done without them there because the van was totaled completely. See, sacrifice means that as followers of Christ, we make decisions for God, and for other people that probably put us in situations where we're going to be in discomfort, maybe even in pain. At the very least, it's going to force us, it's going to take us out of our comfort zones. We all have comfort zones, right? I have my comfort zones, you have your comfort zones. Our comfort zones are different. But whatever the comfort zones are, sacrifice takes us out of those zones. So I was reading an article earlier this week, and I loved how the author of that article finished the article. He was talking about, you know, just taking risks for God and and doing these amazing things. And he ends with a prayer. He wrote a prayer in the article, and the first line of the prayer just really just hit me right in the heart. This is what he wrote. He wrote, Lord, evict us from our comfort zone. I don't know about you, but I both hate that prayer and love that prayer. I hate it because I know what it means for me. I love that prayer because I know that that prayer is a necessary one for me to offer to God on a regular basis. I don't always like to, but I know that's an important one for me to do, to be willing to sacrifice. 
So the first word of Christmas that I want us to understand, Jesus is wrapped all the way around, it's all about sacrifice. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus calls us to do for him and for others, people around us. So let's go back to the backstory of Christmas. Let's go to the next part. So Joseph is considering this option. He makes the decision that he's going to go with option two. Let's see what happens next. So starting with verse 20. As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So obviously this is big time news for Joseph. What basically God is saying to Joseph is, okay, you had these two options. I want you to consider option three. You didn't even think of option three. You didn't even know option three could exist. But I want you to consider option three, which is to raise the Savior, the Messiah of the world. And so what Joseph has to consider is now what these words are and what is going on. But I want to ask you this. This is a question that maybe you've always wondered. Maybe you've never wondered this question. Either way, it's a good question. And the question is, why do we call Jesus, Jesus? Have you ever wondered that? Why did God require that Jesus would be called Jesus? Well, actually, if you look at the original name for Jesus, the Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua. Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name. The Greek name is Jesus. And Matthew, the book of Matthew that we just read those words from, was written originally in Greek. And so we get the Greek name for Jesus, which is Jesus. But if you look at the Hebrew name, it literally translates to these three words. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. This brings us to our second word, which is salvation. Christmas, Jesus, is all about salvation, giving us forgiveness from our sins, of Jesus sacrificing, giving his life to give me, to give you, to give everyone the possibility of forgiveness of sins, of salvation from sin. It's Jesus giving his life to give me mine. So in the year 2011, in the city of Toowoomba in Australia, because of a whole bunch of rain that was happening that year, they dealt with some major flash flooding problems. And in particular, there was this 24-hour period where they got massive, massive flash floods. And and so a lot of people were caught outside and in their houses and in their vehicles. And, And a lot of people actually perished in those floods in Toowoomba in Australia that year in 2011. But I want to tell you a story about one family. There was a family in their car. It was a mother and two boys, her two boys, her two sons. Her sons were 13 and 10. And they got caught in one of the flash floods. 
And so before they knew it, the car had died and, you know, they, tried, they, they were trying to get out of it, but the car wouldn't move. And so they eventually had to climb out of the windows and get on top of the car. And the floodwaters were rising, 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 and they were kind of stuck on top of this car. And they couldn't get out because the floodwaters were moving so quickly. And of course, they're in the middle of a city. And so there were bystanders that were watching this, but they were helpless because they had no way to get to this family in the middle of this, this raging flood. Until there was this brave bystander that was just watching this and knew he had to do something. He finally found uh, a piece of rope, a length of rope. And so he grabbed this rope and he tied it around and he started to work his way out to the, to the car. And he got to the car and when he did, this is the amazing part of the story. The 13-year-old, his name is Jordan Rice. He told his would-be rescuer, I want you to take my little brother first. Even though he was closer to the guy, he said, I want you to take my 10-year-old brother first. Well, the rescuer didn't know what to do, and so he said, okay. And so he grabbed the 10-year-old you know, boy, the brother, the son, and he got him out and got him across to safety out of the water. Well, the problem is when he made his way back with that rope, this rope must have been an older rope or something, but it snapped on his way back. And so this guy barely got out of the water himself alive but he wasn't able to reach the mother and Jordan, the 13-year-old. Tragically, the water continued to rise and wash the car away and wash them away with it, and they perished. I share that story because Jordan did what Jesus does for us spiritually. He said, I want to take your place. I want to take your place on the cross. I want to take your punishment for sin. I'm going to give my life for yours, just like Jordan gave his life to save his little brother. Jesus gives his life to save you, to save me from our sin. And so we need to realize and remember that Christmas is not about just trees and presents and everything else. It's mostly about sacrifice and salvation. In fact, Jesus says this himself in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is making it clear. I arrived as a baby on Christmas. I arrived to earth because I wanted to be the sacrifice. I wanted to offer salvation to everyone who would offer or would accept the offer that I've given to them. And so the second word that Christmas is all about is salvation. So let's go back to the story for the last part, the third and final part of this backstory of Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, still, now verse 24. So when Joseph woke up, remember he's been having this dream, he found all this out in the dream. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The third thing, you maybe have already guessed what this next word, this last word is. But the third one that Joseph shows us and that Jesus calls all of us to do and to be is the word submission. Submission. Now I know 
probably for some of us, when I hear, when I hear the word submission, it has a little bit of a connotation, negative connotation, doesn't it? It's like, well, I don't, I don't like submitting. I don't like submission to somebody else's or something else, uh, some other authority. But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God, submission is the only word that works. It's the only one that works. We could use, you know, surrender and some of these other that mean the same thing, but surrender or submission is the only response that we can have when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus. So you might be saying, well, submit to what? Well, we need to submit not only to God and just who he is, but submit to his will for our life. This is really essentially what Jesus was doing. Jesus was calling Joseph in this moment, God was calling Joseph in this moment to submit his plans, his career, his his future, his marriage, his family life, what he was going to be all about, what he was going to be doing. He was asking Joseph to submit his life and everything that went with that to his will which was drastically different than what Joseph had been planning, I'm sure. So that is why submission is such a big deal. It's when we take God's ways, God's plans, and we place ours below that. We surrender them to God's ways. So Laura and I, and our three children being here in Wanakee, That is a result, a direct result, of us submitting to God. To be honest, I would say most of my life, and I think Lord's as well, and I can't speak for everybody else. This is just based on experience for us and and our relationship with God and our faith. But most of the time, I would say that God has usually given us options in life. You know, two or three or four or several options and says, just pick the best one. But in some cases... God has not given us a choice. He said, this is the plan, and I want you to be a part of this plan in this way. Laura and I and our kids living in Wanakee and planting or starting Northridge, this was not a choice for us. This was something where God said, I want you to do this. I want you to plant, start a new church in Dane County, and then eventually he narrowed it to Wanakee. And so we are here with Northridge Church in Wanakee, in Dane County because God told us we had to do this. Now, for some of us, that might seem weird, but I'm just, I'm just being honest. That's the truth. That's what we truly believe. That's what we know. Now, that's not to say, I don't want to give the wrong connotation. That doesn't mean that, like, Laura and I have to be here. Oh, we hate this place. We don't like Wanakee. We, oh, it's terrible leading, you know, a church. All kinds of stuff. That's not true. We absolutely love it. I can tell you that. We absolutely do. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons is because we know we are doing what God has called us to do. We're doing our best. We're not perfect. Lauren and I are way far away from perfect. I know that I'm not perfect. But we're doing our best to faithfully submit on a daily basis, on a practical, everyday basis to who God is who God wants us to be. So submission, sacrifice, salvation, and submission. That is what God calls us to. 
So I want to end by asking you three questions here today. The three questions are these. In fact, before I get to this, I just want to tell you that maybe you need to just pause for a moment and ask, God, what do you want to do? Maybe you want to just close your eyes or or maybe you want to just, maybe you even need to pause the video after I ask these questions because I, I think that it's very important for, not only for me, but for all of us to consider what the answers to these questions are. So let me give you the first question. The first question is, what is God asking you to sacrifice? God called Joseph to sacrifice quite a bit. God wants to do amazing things. That's not a question. And he wants you to be a part of it. That's not a question. You're valuable. You're amazing. God loves you like crazy. Not a question. The question is, what sacrifice, what sacrifices is God asking you to make in order to be a part of the story that he's writing? The second question. Salvation. Have you accepted Jesus? Have you accepted the salvation that Jesus offers to you? So maybe you're here and you already believe in Jesus. That's awesome. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus. That's amazing. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. But for some of you, maybe you're here and you're not sure. Or you know you haven't because you've never made that choice, that commitment. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you believe in, you know, God and things like that. But you've never made a decision. You've never made that choice to put your hope and trust in Jesus. Well, it's really simple. Let me, it's what we call at Northridge Church the ABCs. A, you just need to admit. Admit that you need Jesus. B, believe. You need to believe that Jesus is real, that he actually died on the cross in your place for your sins, and that he actually defeated death by raising from the dead, that he defeated sin and death with the cross and rising from the grave. You need to believe that Jesus is real. And then three, or C, commit. This is where you make the decision that you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. As we always say here at Northridge, accepting Jesus, becoming a follower of Christ, becoming a Christian, that's not the end decision. That's a beginning decision. It's from that point on where you decide, okay, I'm going to do my best to faithfully follow who God wants me to be. That includes sacrifice and submission after salvation. So do you need to accept Jesus for the first time? My hope is that you'll pray and do that. And then the last question I want to ask you is this. How is God asking you to submit to him more fully? Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening, and you know you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. But if you were going to be really honest with yourself, you wouldn't necessarily be able to say for certainty that you've fully submitted your life to Him. Maybe you believe in Him, but you're not really following Him. My invitation to you is, what do you need to do to more fully submit yourself to Jesus. Remember, Christmas is all about Jesus, and Jesus is all about 
sacrifice, all about salvation, and all about the greatest thing, surrender or submission to his will and the best life that he can possibly offer to you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for arriving 2,000 years ago as a baby. I thank you for offering salvation to us in such an amazing and powerful way. Thank you for giving up your life so that we could have ours. With these questions that I just asked a few moments ago, I pray that you would help us to consider them, think about them, lean into them. And help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you as to where we're really at on each of those questions. And help us, no matter what we think about this pandemic and everything else going on this season and Christmas, help us to wrap our lives and our focus and our intentions around you, Jesus. Because you truly are the reason for this season. We love you. Thank you for loving us. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And as I know, I always tell you because it's true. I love you. And God always loves you.